The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. Well, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. We are so looking forward to the conversation with you today. Per usual, I'm your host, Tyler. I'm here with Brandy, Angie, and Mr. Commentary himself. Still haven't got him a t-shirt, but one day we will. The Ben Wade. What's up, guys? How's life today? I like a good t-shirt. You know? <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about desolation and abandonment. <laughs> Sounds like so much fun. I know. <laughs> Brandy <glad>. liked that. <laughs> Brandy's like, Sarcasm. yeah. <laughs> Back to that childhood. Right. Yeah, I like this. I uh, know. <laughs> Y'all really don't want to go there. So to kind of get us into this, um, let's talk about scars for a minute. Not so much the emotional scars, mm. but physical scars. Do, do y'all have any scars from childhood? That's typically where we get them from. <laughs> I've got, um, I have a couple of scars that I think about. Um, one is right between my eyes. I think about this one because I see it every morning in the mirror. But um, it's right between my eyes, and it came from... Can I guess? Because I'm like seeing the Christmas story <laughs> in my head. You'll shoot your eye. Uh, yeah. yeah, not far off. Okay. It came, that's what I was about to say. It came from the first trigger pull. There we go. Of a deer rifle for me of my life. As a young buck. Mm. Pun intended. Yeah. Good play on words. And, uh, you know, you learn. You get down there too close to that scope, and it's going to pop you right between the eyes. Mm. And so I've got that scar. That sounds painful. Yeah. That's the story. That's the story of that scar. Mine's, well, I was going to say a lot less painful, but I don't know. The chicken pox were pretty terrible. Uh, that's the only one that first comes to mind. I have one on the side of my face. It's like a little grater because there was a massive... What do you call a singular? There was a chicken. Pock. Pock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have just yeah. two, what is it called? Chicken pox. Two pot. Uh, oh, oh, I like it. R.I.P. Um, that's a good one. Brandy, how did you get chicken pox? <laughs> well, uh, we've... We've de- we've determined that I've had an interesting childhood, but um, apparently at daycare, the moms all got together and decided that when one of us got the chicken pox, that we would share um, a drink or food or something so that we could all get it and get it over with. So apparently, I don't remember this, but I was told we all shared a sucker and my mm. whole class went down. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a little bit different than these days. That's kind of like fasting. Sometimes you have to self-impose suffering. Mm, there you go. Mm. For the betterment. I, I didn't self-impose, to be clear. <laughs> I think I was four. But, yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm sure I have scars everywhere, but I don't have a good memory. I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> She's repressed it all. 
That's probably a scar in itself. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably I'm, a whole week in itself. I we'll might say you might not have many physical scars if your response is, I don't know, I might have scars everywhere. No, um, I'm sure I, I have them all over. I just don't know what happened. <laughs> Weird. I'm not going to go through all of mine, but um, the majority of the scars on my body are from my childhood best friend, Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> he knocked out my teeth. Oh, my gosh. Um, Good friend. He put a scar in the back of my head, in front of my head, on the side of my head. Are y'all still friends? Yeah, we talk every now and then oh. on Facebook because, you know, he lives forever away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But in saying all that, and, and the reason why... We're bantering back and forth about our scars is because scars tell a story. And more importantly, they tell a story of healing. This is what happened to me, but I'm still alive to tell about it. And in this series, Hide It or Heal It, we are going to be talking about scars. We're going to be talking about hurt, disappointment, grief desolation, abandonment. And we can either run from those things, we can hide those things, or we can confront them. And as a result of confronting them, we can find healing and hope. So with that, Brandy, um, if you would go to Job chapter 23, and we're going to read a few verses there, and then just continue on this conversation of abandonment. Okay. Uh Job 23, verse 8 says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. What y'all got there? You know, I like that last part. Um, That stood out to me a lot. The... I will come forth as gold. Um, I read something where it was like the story of this missionary that went into this um, like tent that this Indian man was in and he was refining gold. And he asked him um, as he just kept watching him, it was melted and he, he just kept turning the heat up and turning the heat up. And he said, well, how do you know whenever it's complete? And he said, "Um, when I can see my reflection in it is when it's done. Mm. And so in knowing Job's story and similarly, like anything that we all go through, it just helped me remember that the ultimate goal of our suffering, whether it is abandonment or anything, is to ultimately reflect Jesus through that process, which is so much easier said than done. It's it's hard, but I'm, I'm hoping today we can talk through some practical ways that that would play out in our lives. Yeah, Job, so Tyler, you said kind of the topic of our conversation is is desolation, that fun word. Um, I think it's important to maybe define that and exactly what, is, what does that mean when, when you hear us say that. Um, according to Strong's Concordance, is defined as a person, place, or event that defiles a holy place and then causes it to be abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um and so in this passage from Job here, we see him is lamenting a word. Is that right word? Yes. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Yeah. yeah. So we see him kind of like, um, or we see him lamenting about the feeling of abandonment, right? Like he's saying, um, 
I go to the east, God. I, basically, he said, God, I don't see you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and th- this is this is how I feel. I don't I don't see you around me. I don't see I don't see you working. Um, and man, I, I think for so many of us that type of season of life for us is um, not too foreign, right? Like that's a part of our stories. It's a part of the scars that we, that we carry. Um, and, and we get to see it from Job here. And um, so that, that's kind of, you know, that's what, what stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely brought up just times where, I don't know, uh, something that I read talked about, you know, reading all of the places that Job looked, one place that he never mentioned was looking up. Ooh, I lift my eyes into the hills. <laughs> and I, that felt a little bit like a, you know, punch in the chest because I can think of a lot of times that I've said, God, where are you? I don't see you. I feel abandoned by you. And I think the message was kind of, hey, I'm here. You're just not looking in the right place. You've got the wrong perspective. And that hurts because when we are in those moments of feeling desolation, I mean, I don't know that this is always true, but I would venture to say it's usually because we've been pretty inward focused. Mm. And so, you know, God was doing some amazing things through Job here. And uh, I, I can't fault him. I would have handled it a lot worse than he did, I'm sure, you know, but I do think there's a little bit of that aspect in there of, hey, you do have to kind of quit looking inward and sometimes we got to look up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, I love like that he, he claims promises in, in uh, verse 10, right? He's saying, hey, I don't, I don't feel him anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he says, but he knows the way that I take, mm-hmm. right? Like he's regardless. still acknowledging regardless, he's claiming the truth of scripture, like, but regardless, how I feel, but regardless, he is in control. He knows, he knows the way that I take. Yeah. I think that's so important to, to see, like you just said, it. okay, how I feel versus knowing the truth, Mm -hmm. because our emotions take us to a bad place. We can't trust them. And I feel like the enemy can use it so often to make us feel like we're victimized by God. But the truth is like, how well do you know God, because Job clings to that promise because he knew him, like he knew what was true about him. And that's what gets us through these seasons of uncertainty and these feelings that we don't know how to sit in or face because Mm -hmm. they're uncomfortable. The truth of what we believe really becomes foundational and overshadows or should overshadow any emotion that we have to bring us through. A couple of things stand out to me. One is talking about, Brandy, how you said he never looked up. Mm -hmm. Just think about very practically, like when you are stressed out, when you're having a hard time, where does your head go? And in turn, where do your eyes go? Mm -hmm. We look down. Mm -hmm. Like if if you still have little kids or if you've ever disciplined children, you know, whenever they are in trouble or feel shame or if they are remorseful or whatever, what do they do? They look down at their feet. I'm always telling Jordan, look up, (laughs) look at me. You know, not in a, I'm about to tear you to pieces way, but I want you to see the compassion (laughs) in my eyes for you. And I I think there's so much there to Jesus talking about, look at the birds of the air. They don't reap, they don't sow. 
You know, he didn't say, look down at the grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. He said, look up. David's saying, I lift my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So that, I, th- I think just very practically, in seasons of desolation and aband- abandonment, it's important for us to, to practice the simple act of looking up. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of power there. Angie, you, you made the statement with we have to know what's true and not trust our emotions. I think that is so true as well. And to expound on that a little bit, I think a lot of times we discount our emotions, like whether it's fear or worry or anxiety or whatever it is. And those are emotions that God gave us. So, yeah, we don't need to trust them, but we do need to pay attention to them. Yeah. What, what has me fearful? Why do I feel abandoned? But you're asking questions that we don't like to ask ourselves. You know, we've talked about this so much. Like we've all loved John Mark Homer's book about the ruthless elimination of hurry. While we love it, I still don't love to practice any of the things he says because busyness masks and numbs all of those emotions. Mm. And if I don't have to sit in the quiet and think about it, and just keep on pushing it down, well, that feels better in the moment. Now, it's ultimately going to cause an eruption later on down the road, big volcanoes coming. But in the moment, I think we all would say, like, hey, I'd rather just be busy than sit and think about what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't think there is um, irony to the fact that we are the busiest we've ever been, and there's a mental health epidemic in our nation. Right. Like, those two go hand Mm -hmm. in hand. I'm too, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I'm too busy to go to see a counselor. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, like that should be your number one red flag right there. Mm-hmm. If you are to the point where you know you need to see someone to talk through things and your excuse is you're too busy, that that's not good. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like Jesus was not busy. He yeah. had a full schedule. He prioritized. But he mm-hmm. prioritized and he was intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll share this. Um, <laughs> you guess? I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, no, like- I, I can connect with that and, and resonate with that. In the recent past, in a, a season of really what felt like desolation, we were staying busy and were at the soccer field because our calendar was dictated for us by things that we have planned and decisions that we have made. Um, and it hit me one morning at the soccer field in this this season of desolation of like, God, I'm looking around. I don't see you. I don't see you anywhere. Um, of that busyness is, is, is falsely promising safety. Mm. Right. Like that was the thought I had that morning that like in the short term, this soccer field seems the safest place because I don't have to deal with any of the things that have caused me to to be in this season of what I feel like is desolation. And it was almost like for a moment I was kind of looking at things a little bit differently and I just saw my heart broke for like me, but then it also broke for like the hundreds and thousands of people at the soccer field in the stories and in the same in the same boat of hey while while I'm here 
I don't have to deal with any any of the hard things that man we need to deal with and that I don't I don't want to deal with. This is a safe what seems like mm-hmm. right a mm-hmm. safe place for me to be um, in this season. And so I can resonate and connect with that and and remember that really is a a turn kind of a turning point moment of um, some healing. Yeah, and and begin hitting things head on. Mm-hmm. I I heard this from Jordan Peterson the other day, brilliant guy. He said, um, you want to initiate a process of active engagement with the dragon that burned you. Mm. How good is that? (laughs) Don't run from it, but engage it. And basically saying you have to be willing to face your fear, your abandonment, whatever it is. And he concluded by saying active engagement is the opposite of involuntary stress. So as Americans, we can run and we can hide and we can stay busy and we can go to the fields and we can binge on Netflix and scroll on our phones, but we will not get away from the involuntary stress. You know, so something that has been coming up for me, I think basically since 2024 started, I keep, clearly the Lord has a message for me in this. And uh, I think I've maybe been running from it some, but just this idea of solitude of time spent alone with God. And, you know, we're talking about we're running, we stay busy. What is the answer to that? I think the answer to that is solitude. I have got to find time regularly to get into a place. And we've talked about this before. Like, I know that there are things that have to be done, and it is okay to spend time with God all day long in all the things that I'm doing but more than ever, I'm being, I'm receiving this message of, but also, you have to find time to get in the quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to hear these things. I'm never going to process these things until I get into a place and shut up and let God talk to me, work in me, and be honest with myself. I don't have to be honest with myself if I'm busy. I don't know. Tyler, you said it recently that we're abiding in something, yes. right? And yeah. so we're spending we're spending quiet time in something. We're spending time in something. And like Brandy said, it's a it's a battle to protect that time of solitude to be with the Lord. Um, or to even choose it. To choose it. That's right. I don't right. even have to protect it because I don't want to choose it. Yeah, to choose yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but to be in a place where you see the reward in it. I mean, yeah. even though what we just read here about Job, he's looking everywhere and he's like, I really don't even see you, God. But if you go to the end of his story, then he says, and I think it's chapter 42 somewhere, he's like, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So. Knowing there's reward on the other side of the effort that you put forward in sitting with him and dealing with the emotions and trusting in the truth that we know to be true about God, there is so much on the other side of that. So much healing, so much fullness to be found and abundance of joy in him. And we would have the same story of I know or I heard these things to be true about you, but now I've seen it for myself. Now I've experienced you, and nobody can take that from me. Well, who knows solitude better than Job? Mm. Right. And I I hate to 
say this, but I wonder if the moral of the story is, hey, if we don't choose solitude, God, he might choose it for us. Mm. He might start removing the things that are keeping it from happening. No. I don't know. Psalm 28, 6 and 7 says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's having a moment. <laughs> I know. I'm overwhelmed because everything that is being said is so true. And the thing that I have seen in myself is the thing that I see multiplied across the thousands of people that are involved in our church. And it's that eventually we hit a wall. You know, you've got salvation. There's a time where we come to know Jesus as our Savior. All right, check. I think all of us are saved. Mm -hmm. Then there's this process of discipleship, whether you're in a church that knocks it out the park or, you know, you love to figure it out on your own. But it's this process of beginning to understand Scripture and understanding who God is. And then in that, and I think this is where we crush it as a church, it's the, the act of service. Like, I want to be involved. Let me invite. Let me invest. Let me impact. Let me ignite. I want to invite people. I want to be in a house church. I want to serve. I want to give. And then that's where so many of us stop. It's like we hit a brick wall. And in order to continue to grow, there's no amount of service or things that we can do we then have to do the hard work and begin to journey inward and do like you're talking about, Brandy. Sin in solitude, contemplative prayer. Be alone with my thoughts, my emotions, and dealing with my past. Oh, my goodness, this is why we're so busy. Mm -hmm. We've done so many stupid things in our life. Or people have done things to us yeah. that have caused severe trauma and hurt. And one of the things that um, I have been learning to practice is this, this idea of contemplative prayer. So we got a second for me to walk you through it. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm a Bible nerd. Like, <laughs> I was always in all of the classes. I love to study Scripture in saying that I'm dyslexic, so it takes me forever. <laughs> so a lot of my quiet time traditionally has been... I read the Bible, and I read as much as I think I'm supposed to, which is a lot, until I run out of time. And I say, God, your word's good. I love you. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, and, and there are times for that. But I think there's this whole world of journeying inward, known as contemplative prayer, where you sit in the silence, and you allow your raw emotions to surface. Whether that's fear, that's greed, that's I want more of something, I'm running from something, I'm running to something. You allow that to surface. You're hurt, the people who have wronged you, the people you have wronged, and you just sit and you ask God to soften your heart. Like David said, search my heart, Lord. 
and know me. And one of the things I love to do, and this is one of our um, additional scriptures for this week, this week, Psalms 27, I think is so helpful to pray through a psalm. Not read it, but pray through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've sat in the silence, and instead of running from my emotions, well, we'll backtrack, I sat long enough for my mind to quit racing. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? the hardest part. Right, we're thinking about the to-do list and mm-hmm. all of the things, but if you sit long enough, you're going to come face-to-face with your emotions and then begin to pray God's truth over your life. Like Psalm 27, I wait on the Lord. God, you've got me in this desolation for a reason. And while I'm here, I am going to trust you. And I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to lift my head. And you begin to proclaim the truths of Scripture over your life. And you do that day after day, week after week, month after month. That's the active part. That's the role that we get to play. And, if, and if, we, if we love ourselves and if we love the Lord, we are going to choose that because our peace is going to result in thousands of other people receiving peace. If our world is chaos, we create chaos. But if our world is peace and hope and love, then other people are going to experience that, right? I mean, just think about it in terms of parents, like... Parents, if you haven't dealt with something from your childhood, whether you want to or not, you are, you are passing that generational curse down to your kids. Yeah. So healing is going to affect the people around us. Mm-hmm. And that's the active part that we can do. We can choose to do that. The passive part is that God is then going to be the one who forms us because we're all being formed We are all choosing a formation path. But if we do the active, God will do the passive, and he will do a deep, deep work in our souls. Can we just go ahead and recognize for house church, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is not a subject. You should see the body language in this room right now with the four of us. None of us want to talk about these things. It's uncomfortable. So I don't know, as we end, I guess I just want to encourage everyone listening. When you get to your house church and you all look uncomfortable, do what you have to do to be as vulnerable as you can, baby steps, and encourage each other in that process. These next few weeks are going to be tough. But again, we don't get to the good part without the hard stuff first. So be willing to take that step with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to read um, with House Church in mind. And then, Tyler, after I read this, man, I want, I want to ask you to close this out, just praying for our people, that passage, yeah. Psalm 27, over, over our folks. Well, so with what Brandy said, what's that look like? How do, how do we do that? First uh, Thessalonians 5 starting in verse 14, says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So in the context of community, um, we've talked about that word encouragement a couple of weeks ago. It literally means to take courage from someone, 
encourage the disheartened, be patient with everyone, including yourself, as, you be, as we begin to work through um, work through some of these things. So, all right, Psalm twenty-seven. We'll look at verse thirteen and fourteen. No, let, let's go to verse. Let's go to verse eleven, and we'll work our way through to fourteen. Lord, teach us your ways. Lord, lead us on a straight path. God, there, there's so many ways that we could follow, and, and we are all walking down a path. But Lord, help me to trust you enough to follow the path that you have set for me. Lord, I ask that you don't turn me over to the desires of my foes. I hope you don't turn me over to my own desires. Verse 13, Lord, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Lord, as I'm walking through these murky waters, as I'm walking through this difficult time and trying to understand who I am and what I've been through, help me to sit and trust you that on the other side of this, there's the land of the living. Let my body be your temple. Let my life be a place that honors you. Let it be the land of the living. In verse 14, Lord, until then I wait on you. I will be strong and I will take heart and I will wait. I will wait for the Lord. That's our prayer this this morning, that we will wait for you. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for tuning in with us. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in House Church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. To find a house church near you, visit venturechurch.org slash housechurch.